These are the Stanley Cup champions cheering for us. Obi could beat the fuck out of Wayne Gretzky. Could you break Wayne Gretzky's leg? Because he's 24! The smoke blinds from straight 40s before I go out for warmies. We got like half dressed and then last four, and we we're just going nuts. We're in the locker room by then. We we're just going absolutely bananas. What to do, DMV? It is episode 75 of Chirpin' DMV, and we've got a new coach here in DC. Big news today, or t- yesterday, but before we get to all that, let's say what's up to the boys. AB, what's happening, man? Haven't seen you in a week or so. Uh, nothing much, man. Just still on the job hunt down here in Tampa or in St. Pete. Got yeah. A couple, got a couple of interviews for tomorrow, so. Had a heck of a Memorial Day weekend, too, since we didn't see you last week. Oh, Labor Day, yeah. Labor Day weekend, yeah. We had a whole squad come down. We had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I had a crew. I saw you had a fucking crew on Snap. Yeah, five of us come down. So it was a packed house here in our three-bedroom apartment. <laughs> there you go. So no KP today. It's the lady's birthday, I believe it is. So he's out to dinner. But we do have Stack Guy Blake. What's going on, man? Not too much. Not too much. Working. There it is. Stack Guy Blake on the podcast for, I think, the second time. And another recurring guest himself, the Bobcat Baby. What's happening, Bob? Living the dream. It's nice to uh, have something to talk about again. I know after the last live stream, a uh, little, little bummed I missed that one. So glad we got hockey to talk about at least. Yeah, caps so hockey. yeah, exactly. So we got some caps hockey to talk about. It's not the live stream, so you don't get the cool ass videos that we have for both of them. But like we said, let's get to the news, the, the top news here. Peter Lively yet the 19th coach in franchise history, the seventh of the Alex Ovechkin era, which has been 15 seasons. So I'm glad. I'm happy with it. I guess we'll just start right there before we get into stats and all that shit. AB, initial reaction on Labs becoming our head coach. I was hyped about it. Um, It's kind of funny. The first – so the first time we heard his name, like, we kind of threw it out there and, like, we hadn't – Billman, you had a bit of a mixed reaction, I thought. I thought you were like, I don't want him. Um, I was kind of yeah. like, I was like, he's, he'd be a good coach. Um, I don't know if he'd be the best option or not. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I like it, obviously. I mean, they also threw out the name Babcock, right? So the last like week and a half, it felt like everyone was like, yeah, I think they're really going to go after Babcock. Which had, and, which had me fucking worried. Yeah. Which we all were worried. I think, I think every cat fan that, yeah. I, that I talked to was very worried about that. I was wondering if this was a nice little PR move that they were doing to get us a little more hype for Laviolette. Just, you know, shout out, put out that Babcock name, act like we're going to hire him. Everyone would get, everyone's getting pissed off. They hired Laviolette. Now everyone's fucking Everyone's hurt. relieved and happy. And Blake, you tweeted first, first thoughts were at least it's not Boudreaux or Babcock. So I'm happy. So let's hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. I'm pretty much, pretty much word for word. What, what AB said, I was, you know, I was more excited for Gallant when they talked about kind of it being Babcock, Gallant, or Laviolette. Um, but I was firmly planted in the anybody but Babcock camp. Uh, but as, as AB also said, the more I've, the more I've been looking into him and looking into his, his record and his stats and whatnot, the more excited I get for this guy. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, he's – I mean, he's had so much success with so many other teams, and it's quick. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, yeah, he's taken three different teams to the Stanley Cup and the Predators, the um, one it with the Hurricanes, and obviously the Flyers as well, which is where Bobcat becomes comes in because he's a coach that you guys had for many years. And 
he's a fiery fucker. And I think one of the best things, the coolest things about him is just that he is going to be that guy that can come in and push the buttons, as McCollin said. And that, that quote or that clip started floating around today, that 24-7 series versus the Penguins Damn. when he's in intermission and he's just motherfucking everybody. So we'll put that in right here. Scoring chances that period were 7-1 to for the opposition. Do you know why, Hartsey? Because it's about as fucking casual as it gets. As casual as it gets. In Boston, we said, all right, got mixed in the schedule. Let's turn the page. Somebody tell me, what the fuck is the difference now? What's the problem now? I want to see people rip their heart out of their fucking chest this period. And if you don't, you're probably not going to like your ice time. Take your first shift. You'll get it. Earn the second one. I'm not putting up with it. It's too much horse shit. It's too much. Don't allow it. D-zone coverage, soft down low. Out to the points, casual strides. We don't want to block a shot because it hurts. One game, Boston. All right, let's move on. Tonight, unacceptable. Not going to happen. We're way better than what we just showed. Every guy in here knows it, and you should not accept it. Don't. You got 20 minutes. You win a period, you win a game, we move on. But you need to dig in right now, every guy. Enough is enough. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. But, yeah, Bob, thoughts on Lavaliette when he was a flyer and then how you think he'll do with this team now? Um, he was my initial choice in, like, any of my group chats I was in. I said, Laviolette, Laviolette. Um, I think the only time I maybe relented was when Tampa, like, maybe they lose early and they fire John Cooper. Um, right. But, no, I love Laviolette. Um, like A.B. pointed out, or maybe it's even Blake, turns teams around pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, when he took over the Islanders, the, the year before he was there, they had 52 points. Next year – 96 points, so 44-point okay. upswing. Um, took over the Canes, um, had a 36-point upswing the following year. And then when he took over Philly, um, they went from 86 points to 106. Nashville from 86 or 88 to 104. So, I mean, those are that's 10 more wins a year at least, basically. And we're looking at a team that's got a window, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's why Babcock wasn't necessarily hired because you're going to have to deal with the PR behind that. Like, oh, what's, you know, is everyone okay with how he coaches? Like, what, what's the, what was the truth to what was going on? And we got a window, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I it's, think Bobby lets the guy to come in and, and get a quick change. Like you said, it's good. He's a good upswing coach. Granted, we're not going to have that big point turnaround. I think leaving all, granted it was a shortened year, but we still were top of the, you know, uh, the Metro. But, yeah, quick turnaround. You mentioned it was a three-year – we're signing him for a three-year deal. It's, it looks to be around $4 million a year. I believe this first season, two, we're paying two, $2.5 of his remaining Predators contract. So, we're locking him in for six and a half a year in this first year and then $4 million after that. But, maybe you mentioned it before everybody got on here. $4 million, Ted Leonsis realizing he fucked up last time and opening that checkbook. Yeah, so that was the big thing, I think, right? Um, and as – as much shit as we've given them about like the whole Barry Trotz issue. Um, and now we had a chance to pay Barry Trotz, however much money we didn't. Uh, I think it's really good on like upper management to kind of realize that they kind of re- found like realized it quick. Like if you want to have some success in this league, you're going to have to pay a coach. I mean, coaches are getting more and more important. I think, I think the I think the structure of play, the style of play and the, and the way these guys are, 
having to get motivated to play, I think are pretty much the three most important things in, in hockey at this point. I mean, because you're seeing teams, more and more of these teams slide into the playoffs and then compete well in the playoffs that don't have superstar talent. They don't have these stacked, these super stacked rosters that, um, that are, that we you used to think you needed like the, like the Detroit Red Wings way back in the day, like the mm. like Pittsburgh Penguins. You just, you, you have all these young guys coming up uh, that are, that they're getting a chance to play with other guys that are getting more motivated to play. And I think that's what I think that's the most important thing that Laz can bring to the table that Todd did not is the motivational factor. I mean, like you said in that um, that locker room speech, I don't. I mean, I don't. I didn't see many Todd Reardon locker room speeches, but I can't imagine any of them going the way Peter Labio let fired up those guys. I think I, that video in particular, uh, AB was when they were down three rip in Game Four in a series. They were down three rip. And they came back and yeah, won that game and won the series. Um, So yeah, you're you're 100 right, man. Like he's he's someone that's going to jump in and and like you don't need a coach to be a drill sergeant or a hard ass in the NHL, but you need something. Like, do you think the Caps like were motivated to go play for Kevin Malone? Like, (laughs) getting Kevin Malone. (laughs) Go ahead, Blake. Oh, to to go back to what you were saying, AB, about um, how. coaches are taking uh these you know rosters that aren't necessarily completely stacked I feel like that's especially true of Laviolette he took he took Philip Forsberg and Shea Weber and nobody else to the Stanley Cup finals in 2017 like he didn't Look at have the Flyers. Kind of crazy they were yeah. eight seed they yeah. made it in the playoffs on the last day of the year and then went to the Stanley Cup finals yeah. Like the, the Hurricanes yeah, even they didn't have any all-stars right like Brendan right. Moore's at the end of his career you had was Eric Cole like their yeah, all-star? Eric Cole, Eric Dude, he's, Cole he's, he's the textbook example of what you're talking about, and now yeah. he's coming to DC, which has Ovechkin, yeah. Backstrom, Kuznetsov. Vrana, Kuznetsov, John freaking Carlson. Like yeah. he's got that stacked roster now. This is you know, this is a good and chance. This, for and him. this is kind of it's kind of the same thing that we said about Barry Trotz, right? Barry Trotz never had a stacked roster. Uh, but he always brought Nashville. He always got the Predators to the playoffs, and then he finally gets a stacked roster and getting, finally gets it done after the fourth or fifth year in his contract. I forget what it was. Um, so yeah, Peter Laviolette kind of step, stepping into the same thing. Obviously, they're a little older, but they also do have Vrana kind of coming into his prime a little bit here. I mean, obviously, he had a be, yeah. bad second half of the season and bad playoffs, but I mean, you get a guy like Laviolette all the over rest him. of the team. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Carter was talking about it, I mean, right here before this Islanders-Lightning game, and it's he's talking like there's a big difference between assistant coaches and head coaches. You can't go from the good cop to the bad cop, whereas, you know, Todd was that assistant coach his whole career, and then he comes in has to kind of change the way he mentally approaches everything, where you have Lafayette, obviously, who's been motherfucking players for 18 seasons now, and uh, I listened to the press conference say, so what we'll do at the end of this episode is we'll put the full 27-minute, I think, is around there, um, press conference from GMBM and Labs at the end of this episode. So if you haven't heard it, you can. But one thing he said was you don't have to do much with the accountability of your team or if your team approached the ice motivated and prepared, which I heavily believe in. Because they asked him about holding players accountable and Brian McCullen mentioned pushing the buttons. And he's like, yeah, I don't have to hold anybody accountable if I make sure they're fucking motivated and prepared to hit the ice every single time we play. He's uh, He also loves playing – the young guys, right? Like, if you're playing, like, and you're playing hard, he's going to put you in the lineup. Like, if you look at 
um, some of those rosters past that he's had, like guys on that Philadelphia roster, like Aaron Asham is playing in a Stanley Cup final game and producing. <laughs> right. Like, like, he, <laughs> like if you're if you're playing and you're and you're giving it, like he he plays it. He doesn't give a shit. So I do love that too. And he's coached that. I mean, he's coached the national team. He's coached. Uh, he's taken three separate teams to Stanley Cup finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what is this? He's at 18 seasons under his belt, Bellman. Yeah. yeah. So, and how long is his contract? I think like law three of years. averages. He's yeah. yeah. He's he's due for uh, a cup here, a cup run. Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely take us you to the playoffs. Yeah, he'll take us to the playoffs three years in a row. I don't have any doubt about that. We're just too good to not do that. I mean, like I said, 18 years coaching experience, 11 playoffs, three Stanley Cup final appearances with one championship, 637 wins, second all-time among U.S.-born coaches, and 16th in NHL history. I mean, he's been around for a long fucking time. It's and, about every six years that he, he goes to a cup final. And yeah. the last one was 2017, so we're, we're coming up due. <laughs> the the thing about him and that like let's go back to those rosters that he took to those team uh to the Stanley Cup finals that Carolina Hurricanes roster like the more and more I think about that so we mentioned Eric Cole uh we mentioned Rod Stahl was a rookie Rod, Rod Brendamore who who'd you say Justin Williams a rookie Stahl was a rookie no Williams is Williams is a little bit older he got drafted in two thousand yeah he was he was with because he was with the Flyers I think a little yep. bit right yeah. Um, but still, Justin Williams' coming out party, basically, in those playoffs. Um, Eric Stahl, like you said, he was a rookie that year. I mean, he had a fucking hell of a season. Um, hey, do you, can you tell me who their goalie was that year? I was. That's what I was about to get into. It. They split time throughout those playoffs. It was Gerber and it was uh, Cam Ward. Mm-hmm. And Cam, I mean, Cam, I think Gerber, like, he played really, really well throughout the entire season, but no one has ever heard of him since. Cam Ward, kind of the same deal, honestly, a little bit. Yeah, that was his rookie year. Um, yeah, and it's and it's it's just unbelievable what he did with that roster. And then, like you said, going back to Philly, I mean, who does he really have? He has Claude Giroux, who's was that one was of the, his rookie year also. Yeah, I was to say one he, of had, most, he had Richards, Carter; those were his his studs. Yep. Uh, was Vorchek on that team, or is that before Vorchek? No, nope, Vorchek was uh, part of the Carter trade. so i mean they mentioned off the top too when this when we first fired todd that this was going to be a lengthy process do we think three weeks is kind of do we consider that lengthy i think our initial reaction was like probably a month i think everyone everyone that was going to get fired has gotten fired at this point right Right. yeah pretty much i think there's a couple guys left around but that's my logic behind it i did't mean to jump in but i mean they're not dallas isn't firing their coach DeBoer's not getting the axe and uh, I, I, well, you'd have to think yeah. that Tampa's going, right? So, that, right, Reading Vegas Twitter last night, they were salty, salty, salty about DeBoer, and they fucking hate him. All, all of Vegas hates him. Yeah, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, and then uh, Calgary Flames, they re-up. They basically named their interim head coach the actual head coach. Now they took away the interim title, whatever that means. So, yeah, I guess you're right. No, no one else is firing. They weren't. They weren't looking – elsewhere for like one last name to pop up um yeah. so yeah i mean they, how coaching they, is yeah i was just saying and i think they i think they took like a good enough time they didn't they didn't like let it prolong but they also didn't make it in three days yeah for sure I and mean, like coaching's a carousel and you you take a good coach when you can get it and these head coaches don't come around often even though a lot of people do like to bitch how the nhl coaching circular I thing is just non-stop my thing is like do you think GMBM, I mean, 
you think he's in contact with like every other, like all these other players or even former players? I guess he has to be like asking about, so what was Babcock like in the locker room? And then they're giving them a straight up answer. And he's like, oh, I can't take him. Right. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the only thing that I found when like I was, you know, doing a little bit of homework was Dan Carcillo didn't like him, but Dan Carcillo didn't like anybody that he ever played hockey with ever. Yeah, I, don't say, I don't think he likes anyone that plays hockey anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, like Mike Commodore of all people, I think, uh, threw out a quote about him. That was just, he's truly, you know, a good guy. Like, I don't think people think that about Mike Babcock. So if you got, oh yeah, I'll you got Lavulette mother effing you in between periods, like he's doing it for a reason. He's not yeah. pulling out the measuring tape and, pissing off guys in the locker room or throwing guys under the bus like Babcock allegedly did with Marner. Right. Yeah. But I think, I think I was, I'm, I'm hot on Laviolette, man. He's done, done a lot better with a lot worse teams. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And you know, is he going to, well, I tweeted this earlier too. So I was watching the press conference, some fucking dummy named Darren Haynes from WSN, WUSA nine asked labs. He goes, yeah, congrats, man. So what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind uh, when you, end your career here and retire a capital. I was like, what the fuck kind of question is that, dude? That's not how coaching works. I don't want him to stay here for his entire career, to be honest, because I'll give him his three-year window, and if he doesn't get us to a cup, then I'm ready to work with something else when we blow our team up. But, I mean, Bruce Brujo was talked to. Obviously, Babcock, Galan, they said – GMBM said, I think Labs came to D.C. and met with him in the offices. GMBM did a Zoom call with another, a phone call with another, and then went to another's house. And talk to them. So I'd be curious to, to who that was, but they did talk to Bruce Brujo. But Blake, I'll toss it to you. I'm sure you've got some good stats for us. So what can we look forward to in terms of the play that Laviolette and the systems will come and uh, implement on this team? Yes. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to him. I think there's probably going to be a lot of parallels between him and Trotz, um, just just naturally because he's coming from from Nashville, just like mm-hmm. you know. So, so many other guys have gone to and from Nashville and DC. Um, but he's a solid defensive coach. Um, he, over his tenure, his teams were in pretty much the top five of every statistical category defensive wise. Um, and he was doing that with guys who weren't, you don't necessarily think of these guys when you think of solid defensive play, you know, guys like Shea Weber and PK Subban and, you know, these guys are solid, but they're kind of, John Carlson types, you know, um, and he was able to mold, you know, build a defensive system around guys like that. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, um, especially coming in with some of our younger defensive guys like Segan Thaler. I think uh, it'll be fun to see how he, he makes that work. Discipline, discipline wise, I think it can only be an improvement over what it was under Reardon. Yeah. Um, his, <laughs> His teams still take penalties. Like, I mean, we got Tom Wilson on our team. We got Brendan yeah. on our team. We're going to be taking penalties. But I think that Laviolette's going to do a much better job of limiting that than Reardon did. Um, uh, so that'll be good. His teams his teams play really solid in front of both nets. Uh, take that, yeah. Is- well, one of the biggest issues that we always see – or that we have been hearing and seeing about Laviolette is how he can easily kind of suffocate a team's offense out of them and they'll kind of harm the production in this side or the other after some time. Do you think – I see a lot of people kind of worried about that, obviously, but you can't really hinder us too much. 
in terms of like knowing the skill level we have, but I think is should that be reason for concern that Lavia could come in here and potentially bring this offense down a notch when we're sitting here trying to break Gretzky's record? I'm not I'm not too too worried about that. I think I mean from what I've heard he's he's a he's willing to experiment with things, which has been the number one problem with this team has been a lack of experimentation. We have the same right. You know, we've got the same three combinations of the top six that have just been rolling for two years and have got nothing going. I don't think at this point you can do anything to hinder them other than to play Ovechkin for six minutes a game. That would be the only thing you could do to hinder this team's offense at this point. Right. I mean, AB, you've been I'll, seeing it. Go ahead. Go back. I was going to say, I would almost like Whatever. that – the thing about that the whole thing, uh, that issue that you brought up is that we, I think we said that about trots too, and it didn't really start yeah. down. So uh, that's, that would be my like go-to statement there. Cause I mean, I do remember that. I was like, shit, we're going to win every single game now, like two to one. This is not going to be fun. Ovi's going to score like 27 goals in a season. No, he was still scoring 45 to 50 goals a season. So when someone, someone tweeted earlier, I don't remember who it was. The highest goal scorer trots or not trots Laviolette has ever coached was uh, Eric Stahl with 38, but he also coached Claude Giroux a year that he had 93 points um, right. in 77 games, and the lockout year he was a point of game player. Like he's never coached an Alex Ovechkin, right? Now, so or an offense worried, quite like, like ours, yeah. Yeah, like uh, there, there's, I don't think there's any concern in my mind, at least, <clears throat> on him suffocating. Like Barry Trotz is probably the the best defensive zone um, coach out there, right? Like his neutral zone, his D zone, like very, very, very stifling defense. And do we not love Trotz in DC, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, at the, and at the end of the day, are people going to be pissed off if he takes him to a Stanley Cup? Nope, not at all. Or at least wins us the fucking playoff series. Yeah, I think. So I, yeah, I don't think there's anything to worry about in that regard. Like, and if, I think if they, they could go up two goals in a, a late regular season game. Probably gonna get boring, but I don't think we're gonna be playing like the the old Tampa uh, Philly standoff that Laviolette had. Do you remember that? Yeah, intentionally yeah. uh, yeah. just holding the fucking puck. Yeah, Flyers just held the puck and Tampa didn't force them. I, was, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that'll happen again. That was funny. Pronger just sitting at the dot, and the Tampa was just sitting in there one three one, just waiting if waiting for anything to happen. They're like, nope, we're not gonna move. But <laughs> the, the refs think, blowing the whistle. Like, I think I think they have to move the puck at some point, right? I guess we have to blow the whistle. <laughs> we blow the whistle, face seven. off, do the same fucking rodeo round and round oh, again. Oh, it happened more than once that game. No, oh, yeah, because yeah. I remember that whole game being a big shit show about it, but. It was it was it was a game of the week. That's why it was yeah. like the NBC game. Didn't they of the week talk week. about after that game? Didn't they? Wasn't there at least like rumors of are they going to try to ban the one three one somehow because of how embarrassing that was for the league? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Like it was just it was really really bad. It was, but it was kind of funny to watch honestly on our end. But I think the other biggest issue that like we need to look at is the fucking power play. And what is yeah. he going to do with our power play? Uh, that was, uh, like, I mean, defensively, obviously, we were fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. So, we kind of know that Laviolette is going to come in, get us more disciplined. Not even just taking penalties-wise, we're going to be way more disciplined in our own defensive zone, too, in front of our net. But 
is he going to change up the power play and what, like, just what does he do with the power play in general? I think that's a huge question because I think that's well, a huge downfall for us. Or was that was also one of the things that he got a lot of heat on when he was on his way out um, when they lost in like 2019, right? Like Nashville's power play went over oh, yeah. ever in the playoffs, right? They were not scoring on the power play. So I think um, that's obviously something that he has to improve on himself. So I think, that coupled with the Caps' lack thereof power play, um, again, can only go up for either of them. Is this the death of the terrible slingshot, I hope? Oh, that would be nice. I mean, granted, every team does it, but we do it to such a bad and poorly executed extent that everybody yeah. thinks it's just hey, ours. But, I mean, they, it probably depends. It, on, go ahead, Blake. It probably depends on who the assistant coach in charge of power plays yeah. is because if they keep the guy they've kept, which – they might just coach. be hiring one other guy to replace um, who just left. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he's got to be yeah, going. To Reed Cashman, he went to Dartmouth, but he was D, though, yeah. correct? But uh, it, yeah. all these head yeah. coaches, they have their so set I heard, staff. I heard somebody say on the radio. Yeah, he said he was going to, you know, see what's going on, you know, talk to the current staff before he makes any decisions or anything. But, but you know he's someone goes. that's not it's, scared to shake that up. And yeah. he's also not someone that, He's not going to have any loyalty, right? They talk about that all the time with DeBoer this offseason playing Laner. Yeah. yeah if, if he comes in and someone's playing like garbage, this is the same guy that two years after taking the team to the Stanley Cup final marched into the office and said, mm -hmm. get rid of Carter, get rid of Richards, like blow the whole thing up. Yeah, I mean, it's like Barry when he left, he took fucking Corn and uh, was it Forsythe or Lambert? He took one yeah. of those two, and it's just like, all right, well, every head coach has their set guys, I guess their set staff, unless you're like kind of like – I mean, I like the Philly model they did this year with the Vigneault. Like, they just take like three former head coaches and put them all on a fucking bench. All French. You got to be all French. French. All French. Um, but, yeah, that's – I mean, Peter Lavalletta, like, what do you – any, like, final thoughts on it? I mean, I'll, get, I'll ask you guys if you got, want to add anything else, but I'll ask you each one question, too, is that in these three years, if he makes it through these three years, we go to at least one cup final. Yes. I'm going to say yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess my, my final, like, question would be on this whole thing is I, I, we may have just talked about it, like, two seconds ago. But, like, does he hire – does he hire any of his own assistant co coaches? I'd like um, him they to. They asked him about one person in particular. Yeah, I can't remember the name, but they asked him uh, about it. Well, Samantha Pell said, did, you know, yeah. I'm going to check things out, you know, see what the current situation is. I mean, he, he's going to bring it. You got to think he's got to at least bring somebody in, right? Yeah. What if he brought in Babcock as the assistant? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Mike Babcock would – I don't think his, his ego would allow him to take an assistant coaching job. Right. Be, I mean, a whole – it would be like a Philly Flyers bench situation. They got Elaine Vigneault, and then they got Michelle Terrian, and who, who, who else? Mike Yo. Mike Yo, yeah. yeah. Let's get a bunch of head coaches. Right. Blake's got Bruce back as an assistant. Yeah, right. Dude, they put be... Brooks Orpik on the defense that I've been hammering fucking for months now. Well, that'd be great. I would not hate Bruce Boudreaux as an assistant coach. I'm not offensive gonna coach. Well, they, yes. they would never get a call for them because Boudreaux and Laviolette both love ripping the refs. That's true. They well, they could both, both do it at the same time. We would get every single call our way now, right? No. <laughs> or every single call against them. They'd be sick of hearing them. Yeah, right. Wes McCauley, like, nope, fuck off. Man. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Blake, your final thoughts, and if we're going to a cup in these three years. Uh, I, I'll say yeah. I'll say yeah, because I'm a homer. Um, yeah, we can't say <laughs> but, no. Uh, 
yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for what he's gonna do. I think I think it'll at least be you know a, a breath of fresh air. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot of changes because even moving from Trots to Reardon, there really wasn't a lot of changes because a lot of the system under Trots was Reardon's idea anyway, and he just couldn't you know Trots had that extra something that Reardon just didn't is what okay. I think. And so I think we're going to see a, a much different system, which will be exciting to see. Bob? Dude, I'm, I'm all aboard. I've been on the, on board the Lavulette wagon from day one. Um, like, like we talked about earlier, I don't think that there's room for the Capitals to necessarily make a 30-point uh, improvement on their, on their stats, but I see yeah. the Caps being a top seed in that division next year. Love it. So there it is, guys, about a half an hour there on Peter Lavaliette. I'm sure there'll be more to come as he starts talking to media and stuff. Uh, if he has an Instagram, I'll try to DM him, but I don't think he does. But So next thing we'll get to before we get to the press conference itself, so you can go back and listen to that, let's talk about Braden Holpe because during the press conference, quote, Brian McKellen said, I would expect him to go to free agency. I think the goalie market is probably a little unusually deep this year. I talked to his agent last week briefly about where he's at the kind of opportunities he's looking for. I would assume he goes to free agency and we'll keep in contact with him throughout free agency just to see if he's getting what he wants. So that to me kind of tells me that, yeah, we're going to let him go, obviously, which has kind of been known, but that kind of makes it official. And Hopi, I think, wants to stay. He likes DC, but he wants to make money and he wants to be a starter and he doesn't want to sit here and groom. But I think there's an opportunity that if he's going out there testing the market and say some of these other guys are getting picked up before, before uh, Holpe. And it's just kind of like, no, he's not getting great offers somewhere. He doesn't want to go to a certain space where we might just keep in contact with him and be like, all right, what's it going to take to just kind of give you a, he's like, what if he's just like, all right, I'll actually take this just to come back for like a year or two. Don't get your hopes up. Not happening. He yeah. Gone. Yeah. He gone. He gone. Where? I don't know. Calgary? My money, my money says uh, like Chicago or Ottawa, or Calgary. I'm yeah, I think a Calgary. lot of the rumors have been Calgary. Calgary or Edmonton is my bet. Yeah. I would say Edmonton, I like – Well, because they were not? in talks with – they were just in – Edmonton was just in talks with Matt Murray and the Pens, and then that fell through apparently. Like why yeah, would – and, and hope he's a free agent. They don't have to trade anything. Yeah. Right. Why yeah. would Edmonton not go after him, and why would Holpe not want to play with behind Connor McDavid? Right, like, like he's – He's going from arguably one of the best one-two setups of the last decade to probably the best one-two setup of the next decade. Yeah, that's yeah. if I'm him, that's where I would want to go. Um, like, cause he's got to want to win again, right? Yeah, yeah. He wants. You think you got to know he's got to want a chance to win? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is he? Three years removed from a Vesna Trophy? Like, yeah. He had so, a rough year, but I mean, you could see him be a Holtby or be the Holtby of three years ago, two years ago, and be a finalist again next year, wouldn't surprise, I don't think, anybody. Yeah. Um, I think that goalies are going to get paid, though. Yeah, there's a lot of free agents. I mean, I'm going on the list here. Holtby, Crawford, Howard, Leonard, Craig Anderson, Matt Murray, Markstrom, Grice, Talbot, Kudobin, Michael so, Cullen, Brian Elliott, Mike Smith. Markstrom. It goes on and on, man. Markstrom, yeah. I think, is – I think Vancouver is going to try as much as they can to lock him down, it sounded like, and Marsham wants to stay. He said he would take a pay cut there. Um, where, Who do the Caps sign? Who do you think the Caps would sign? Because I feel like we had Cam to sign. Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot? That's, I mean, it's a good name. I mean, it's a solid name. but I think 
Good. I think we gamble. I think we see if uh, Sammy saves and uh, Phoenix Copley can do it. Phoenix Copley? Or, I don't know. I'd say Talbot, Mike Smith, Craig Anderson, maybe. Thomas Grice, maybe. Done. I think Anderson's going to be done. I think he should be. Um, my concern with Sam Sonov is, is he ready to be a pro, man? The kid fell off a fucking ATV. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Like, yeah. I don't I, think the I, I, I don't think the locker room is gonna have a ton of confidence in him right now. Plus he's mature coach, enough I to handle over to have, 45, 50 games. They need someone that they can lean on if they have to. I don't think it's gonna be a one A. I think it I think it needs to be a one A, one B and not a one and two. I mean whether whether you think so or not, or whether they say so or not, we're getting ready to go to the freaking bubble playing the Stanley Cup finals. Fucking around on an ATV, man. Yeah. yeah hopefully I, it proves me wrong. But if they don't bring in a veteran goaltender, throw out my bet that they're division winners next year. Yeah, I don't want to see him playing over 40 games, really, to be honest. I can actually well, get up near 50. I, well, I don't want to see him get up near 50, I should say. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I could see, like, I, I want to see him, like, play 45 this year, but I don't think he can play 50, 55 games. I think we need another goalie playing 35. But that's just my opinion. And I've 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 kind of been an advocate of that even without even when Sammy wasn't around like mm-hmm. when we still had Holpe like after those years of him playing 55 60 games I'm like dude I don't think a goalie has won in a while playing that many games and it's become a one two tandem type of thing I mean I know the Bruins are out right now but and but imagine if Tuca stayed like who knows what would have happened and oh look um, at Dallas yeah. Ben Bishop went down and Hudobin stepped up to the plate. Like nope. Vegas wasn't scared to switch off between goalies. Um, uh, Brian Elliott, that might be another name. I think Philly will yeah, try him just because he's he did a very good job. And you're still in the you're here. still in the wanting to do the 50-50 spit plays with Carter Hart and getting him so mature and well, yeah, he was. I think I think I don't I don't know if Elliott got 25 games this year, but in the games that he was called on, he he did his he did mm-hmm. his job. What do you think, Blake? What are your thoughts on goalie situation here for us? Goalie, um, I'm not too sure. I, I I would like a veteran around to to mentor Samsonov, and I, you know, it would be great if if it would be Holby, but he's pretty much already flat out. I don't want to spend over three million dollars. Yeah, um, no. I think I think Holby's going to go make eight million somewhere. He's not yep. making the 10 mil that Bobrovsky just wasted the Panthers money on, but, uh, you know, I, if we get, you know, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of names we could go after and hopefully, hopefully the fact that the market is flooded with goalies right now will drop the asking price for some people. Good. Um, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I think Sam Talbot made what two, seven, five last year. Yeah. Um, Hudobin was, Hobie was the highest of the free agents at six one. Crawford was yeah. second six. I, I don't think Crawford's in a position where he can ask for anything close <laughs> to that. Maybe he's <laughs> no. someone that no. uh, his health question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, if, I, I would take Corey Crawford for two two eight. I wouldn't be stoked with Jimmy Howard. Fuck no. no. Craig Anderson, no. I think, is retiring. March from that. Uh, and Grice, perhaps. Like, maybe he made three 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 this year. I feel like he um, might stay in in the aisle. Yeah, yeah. Who knows, man? And I mean, Frederick Anderson is a name that is being tossed around as trade bait, but I don't think they're going to have the room for him. No. 
save some money, spend it elsewhere, and we'll we'll, we'll gamble on a veteran in a in a young Samsonov. Honestly, I'd rather spend the money on some fucking bottom six or another defenseman. Yeah, yeah like who that. knows? There's we, you might have a team come in that that isn't necessarily in a spot to to grab a goalie and take one just because that is such a deep market this year. Um, someone could shake things up that's you know not necessarily looking for a, a free agent goalie and get True. rid of somebody. I think but there also might be teams available. that thinking there's that gonna be so much goalie turnover, right? There's those yeah. are six guys that are going to get signed in the first week of free agency, yeah. probably. And if a team's looking to make a big splash somewhere, why not make it a goalie if that's even a question mark on the roster right now? It's like, hey, we just brought in Braden Holpe. Everything goes up. Engagement goes up. Sales go up. Like, oh, we just brought in a franchise goaltender who's won a cup in the last three years. So a team would, I think, would go for it. I don't think he gets up to eight, though. Just as not just as bad as he played the past couple of seasons. You know I can see like seven, seven, five. I might be, I might be cool with a Frederick Anderson trade because you know what he's on the books for this year? Three something or four, if that one, one. fuck what? one million. These damn pop ups. <laughs> uh, he's on the book for one million. He had a front loaded, uh, in, in front loaded contract, and you know Toronto loves giving it to him in signing bonus. Mm-hmm. So five mil that he's making this year is, or four out of the five that he's making is from signing bonus. So, you know what? They get rid of a defenseman, and get back someone like Frederick Anderson. Ah. I'd feel pretty good about that. He's only got one year left on his deal. That gives Samsonov a year of another veteran goalie that you do have a nice 50-50 split. There's no controversy going into the next year. And then we figure out a way to get Tyson Berry on the blue line and we're good. Anderson's got, you know, he's got uh, some making up to do himself. I like that take. What 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 you should do right there is, all right, so do the Orlov Orlov for Freddie trade, sign Petrangelo. Don't dump five no, million. Cap. They don't have Ooh. the money to sign Petro. Dude, if we if we trade Orlov, if if you're how much do you think Petro is going? Uh, seven plus. Think, yeah, seven plus. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, if you think he's going for nine, plus. then yes, you don't. Plus. Dude, he's I'm, going, I think I'd be he's shocked going. if he signs for anything less than eight. See, wing or center? See, wing or center? Petro's D. Petrangelo, he. Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm sitting here watching the Islanders game and. It looked like you just got scored off, scored on, and my fucking brain went elsewhere. But yeah, I, I mean, uh, that could be. Uh, yeah, I would take him. I'd take him. He's in making RP. six five right now, and I, you know what? He's probably getting a bump. Oh, if he's well, he's definitely getting a bump. I didn't know he's making six five right now. Yeah, that does make me think he's probably gonna get like eight and a half to nine now. Yeah, I thought yeah, he was I mean, only gonna. I thought he was only in the seven and a half range, honestly. Uh, would you take him over PK Subban? Yes, yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't want Subban. Uh, Would I wouldn't even give now? Subban six and a half to come here. Oliver Ekman Larson. I'll take. Um, I'll take OEL. Yeah, he's making eight two five. Brett Burns is making eight. Jake Truba just signed for eight last year, man. Petro's uh, getting at least. You already have an eight million dollar defenseman on the books in Carlson, though. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. There's no chance that they're. No. I didn't realize Troop was making A2. That just ruined everything for me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, at least you don't at least you don't have that contract, right? Yeah, that's sure. that's so that's a brutal one, right? Who there. knows? So I guess that's the next big news. I mean, we talked about it, Petty Laviette, the new coach. The next big news is what is what's the free agency start? October sixth or ninth or some shit like that? 
And that's going to be like the July 1st every year. I think the draft is sixth through seventh. And then the free agency is starting like right after that. They said, so that's going to be our July 1st this year. So there's not going to be big news. I don't think until then, obviously we're going to have some news trickling probably about assistant coaches, this, that, and the other. We'll see lively. start reaching out to the players, talking to Ovi, this, that, and the other, but yeah, in terms of big news, I don't, I think we're going to sit here and sit on our hands until, um, until October 9th. So with that being said, let's finish with this before we kick it over to the, the press conference itself. We saw Dallas win last night. Tampa on the verge, assuming they're going to win. We're looking like we're going to have a Dallas-Tampa Bay Stanley Cup. I'm pretty excited about it. I, I, I like both teams. I don't mind both teams. So let's quick off the cuff get each of your uh, predictions and estimates of what's going to go down here. Start with you, A.B. Um, I think – dude, Tampa looks unreal right now. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just – they're kind of just – like kind of steamrolling through teams, no matter like how even the play is like, cause everyone's been saying like, even though they're up three, one right now, like the play has been really even like the Islanders are mm-hmm. besides that game one, that was awful. But like the Islanders have played pretty well. They deserved a couple of those games. It's like, dude, it doesn't matter. It's all about right. results right now. And Tampa is winning like every single series. They've won all, both series in five so far. Right. Yep. And then they can win tonight in five. Yeah, I mean, like we said, we're, without point, we, we'll know the we'll know the result by the time you listen to us. You know who's playing for the cup, or if they're going to Game Six. They but, like they finally have that like step on your throats and just finish them off. Like, yes. Mentality. The closing mindset. So yeah, like, and so I got I got Tampa in six in that series if if they're playing. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Blake. Yeah, I um I'm also gonna go with Tampa. They they reek of a team that's had too much regular season success and not enough playoff success uh, just looking at i mean <laughs> they were the the best team the world has ever seen since the soviets in the in the 70s right last year and they got swept by columbus and they just they have an absolute chip on their shoulder this year they reek of the 2018 caps this year of just like I, we're going to get this done. It's going to happen. And you, you can just there. I, I can't see them losing. I will I say this before. I'll say this before Bob chimes in. If like, if there's a team that gives them some struggles, I do feel like it's Dallas. Dallas, <laughs> they, be Dallas. Just, they just beat the shit out of you, man. Like they, they've won it in every single way, but well, they I just handled a very good Vegas team. Yeah. Handled them. Bob, yeah. Bob, what do you think? I I'm going, uh, Dallas and seven. That's yeah, that's why I said it before. I knew you were going Dallas. I could I could for some reason I was just like he's gonna go Dallas, and I well, I mean I could see it happening, but man, the, the, I feel like they've played um, tougher competition honestly than Tampa, right? Yeah. Like Tampa, I don't want to take anything away from Tampa. They're sick, but they just everyone was betting on Colorado, then everyone was betting on Vegas. Yeah, Dallas has no pressure. But yeah. like, I agree. And had, even a lot, Dallas Dallas 50, 50, a lot of people are 50-50. A lot of people are 50-50 in the Flames series, too. Yeah. Who who had Dallas in the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, not I. But who I'm had cool. Tampa? Everybody. Everybody, right? yeah. Like, Dallas has nothing to lose. Um, I like Jamie the Dallas Benz team, playing, too. Jamie Ben's playing so good right now, which is – I mean, he's our fucking leader. And how about that Heiskanen? 22 points, man. The, the yeah. young guys are contributing. Yeah. I mean, right like, now, just what if, what if, uh, granted they have their negative goal differential, but eh, yeah, that right. is bizarre. That is <laughs> definitely bizarre. But like, so you got Jamie Ben, he's got 18 points, Joe Pavelski tearing it up. Roy Perry. You think, you think Tyler Sagan's going to turn it on here? He's At got some three point. goals. Like, right? he's, due, on fire. he's due to break through. And if that happens, man, like, 
that's scary. And it, maybe Tampa does beat them. Um, and you're kind of riding maybe, the magic carpet in that with Qdobin. Yeah, right. Super hot goalie. Um, and if you get someone like Sagan that starts contributing too, that's trouble. Yeah. So I wouldn't I'm be like surprised if Tampa wins, but I'm I'm going Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked by either either team. It goes to Game Seven. I got. I'm putting the. I'm betting the house on Dallas. Red Bulls fucking win. Beers after, baby. Like I said before the pod, though, I've got free money right here. I've got, I've got a Stanley Cup ticket before the season on the on the Dallas Stars at plus fourteen hundred, and I've got a Stanley Cup ticket on the Tampa Bay Lightning at plus a thousand. So free money. Right That's there, right. Well, when they you need to talk to somebody about where to put that money. True. Sorry, sorry. I'd True. So that's all I got, guys. I mean, it's it's Peter Lavely at the new coach in D.C. We're coming to the end here of the episodes for season one. We're going to take a little bit of break, a bit of a break after that. But yeah, we're we're pretty much on to the Stanley Cup final, and it's it's things are looking up. I'm excited for the off season here in D.C. So A.B. Blake Bobcat, if you got anything else to say, say it now. We'll get the fuck out of here and enjoy the rest of our the week. The only um, upside to Tampa Bay winning. Mm-hmm. Jeff Halpern. Jeff Halpern, absolute legend. Jeff I can't Halpern. wait till he comes yep. on the show and gives us cup stories. Yeah, future, future guest. Future guest. A tremendous experience within the league. Uh, 18 years of coaching experience, 1,200 games, a uh, solid track record of accomplishment in a number of different organizations. Uh, I've been in the Stanley Cup Finals three times, won a Stanley Cup. Um, so again, we're, we're excited to bring Peter's experience and vision to our team. Um, and I'm very pleased to announce Peter as our new head coach. Peter, please go ahead. Yeah. Um, thank you. A pretty special day for me and my family. Um, before I get going here, I'd like to thank Ted Leonsis and the ownership group, uh, Dick Patrick, and certainly Brian McClellan and his staff. Um, for the opportunity to work for a great organization um, like the Washington Capitals. And um, I couldn't be happier to be here. Um, my family couldn't be happier. Um, I've got so many, many memories of uh, going into Washington and listening to the fan base and the fans get behind their team. And um, I'm pretty excited to have, uh, have that on my side now. So um, I've got a great opportunity to work with a great team that has great players, that has proven to be successful um, and, and a top team in the league now for quite some time. And uh, for me, it's a real honor and uh, a privilege to be the head coach of this hockey team. So thank you. Thank you, Peter. At this time, we'll open the floor for questions. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please let us know using the chat option below. And please direct your question to Brian or Peter. Again, just a reminder, please keep your cameras off throughout the call. And we'll begin with Samantha Powell with the Washington Post. Sam, please go ahead. Hi, this question is for kind of both Brian and Peter. For Brian, what made Peter the best fit for this organization? And for Peter, what made the Capitals the best fit for you as a head coach? Yeah, Samantha, I, th I think it's a good fit for both. Uh, I think we have an experienced group. Um, um, I think we need an experienced coach and the skill sets that Peter brings. I mean, he's a... Uh, you know, he's a good teacher. He's a good communicator. Uh, motivator, motivating is one of his strengths. Uh, I think he holds players accountable. And I think he does it in a good way. That's uh, in integrity. He's very honest. Um, you know, and I think 
his track record with different organizations. Uh, I think he's been challenged a number of times of, of uh, having teams that have different personalities in and on the ice, in the locker room and on the ice. And, and he's, he's, he's been able to adapt to different groups and be successful in the league. Um, so I think, I think it's a good match both ways. And we're excited about it. Yeah, just to follow up on that, I'm, I'm really excited as well. And I, I think it's a great fit. This is a, for me as a coach, um, looking for a next opportunity, um, I get to get behind the bench of an organization that is willing to do anything to win and be successful. Um, strong ownership, strong management, and a, a, a great personnel um, on the bench to be able to go out and play the game and in a successful city as well. And we're excited about, you know, coming to the DC area and, and being part of this community. So for me, there were so many things that checked a lot of boxes that we were looking for, um, for our next move. And, and we're just, we're just super excited about that. Thank you. We'll go to Tarek Obashir with The Athletic. Tarek, please go ahead. This question is for uh, Coach Laviolette. When you take a look at this roster, um, do you see a group that's kind of close to where you want it to be uh, in terms of the, the, the mold you've had in other stops where you've had success, or do you feel like they're going to need to be some, some tweaks or nips and tucks to, to, to get it to your liking? Thank you. Hey, Tarek. Um, you know, every stop for me has been a little bit different, and to be honest, no, no two teams have, have been the same. And, I think when you take over a team, you come in with an open mind and a, a blank slate on, on the, the team and the players and the individual personnel. And then from there, it's about building that, um, building your identity on the ice, um, setting a standard of what you expect on a daily basis, um, you know, working together throughout the course of the year to try and prepare yourself for the playoffs. So um, I look at it as a great opportunity. If you, you know, you got, you have a, a ter terrific cast of talent that's that's big and strong and can play the game aggressive and have a, um, have a chance to be successful on a nightly basis. For me, it's an incredible opportunity. So um, I can't I can't speak from experience working with this group because I haven't been there yet, obviously. But I am excited to um, get in there and to start to work with them um, and build something special. So. Um, it's really difficult to, to compare it. Um, I don't think that you need to have a certain, I, uh, I don't think you need to have a certain uh, group of people and just that only that group can be successful. I think you have to work with the personnel that you have. And I'm pretty fortunate to have the group that I have to work with. Scott Abraham with ABC7. Scott, please go ahead. Congratulations on the job and welcome to Washington. Uh, a familiar phrase over the last couple of years in this town is this team's Stanley Cup window is closing in a sense. It's a veteran group. They're aging. Do you believe in, in, in such a thing in terms of a, of a cup window? And when you look at this team and the roster, do you feel like it's almost like these next couple of years are their best chances to win a cup because of the aging roster? You know, this is a, again, this for me, just looking at it from the outside, this is a team that's been successful. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult in the playoffs to, to get all the way to the end and everybody knows that. And I think that's what drives you as a, a coach or a, an organization or a player is to get all the way to the end play for the cup and put your hands on it. And, um, you know, to me, I've seen a team that's had success recently, um, regular season success, some postseason success, 
And for me, that's a great opportunity. I don't necessarily look at it and say, well, it's got to happen this year. It'll never happen. I'm, I'm excited to go in and, and, and be here and be a part of this and add any layer that I can as a coach to try and help get to that next step. So, um, you know, it's kind of a difficult question for me. I don't, I don't look at it. If you're asking me what I see, I don't look at it that way, say, well, it's next year or nothing. I look at it and say, this is a, just a great opportunity. I, I can't wait to get started. Thank you. Uh, Andrew Nall with New York Times. Andrew, please, please go ahead. I think your Wi-Fi is not working properly. You want to try again? Uh, well, I'm trying to unmute here. You're good. You're good. Go ahead. All right, we can skip Andrew for now. Let's go to uh, Matthew Paris with the Washington Times. Matthew, please go ahead. Hi. Uh, thanks for doing this. This is for both of uh, for Brian and Peter. But um, Mac, you said in um, July or in last month that. Uh, you were looking for someone who could push some buttons. So I guess, what did you see in Peter that um, you liked about that aspect? And then Peter, how do you just go about getting the most out of a group? If things go wrong, how do you go about kind of fixing things um, and your philosophy there? Uh, Matthew, I, I'll go first. Um, you know, I, I think Peter, Peter has a track record of, of uh, establishing a culture. I mean, it's one of his priorities. And part of that culture is getting guys to play the right way and holding them accountable to play the right way. And uh, I, I think it's a big priority uh, when you talk to them. And um, so I have uh, confidence because he's done it in the past and it's a priority, the way he speaks about it, the way he communicates about it uh, with both me and I would assume with players that uh, that's a big strength of his moving forward. And it's a big reason why we hired him. Yeah, just to follow up on that, um, you know, I, f I feel like there's a there's always an opportunity going in as a coach to um, not only build an identity on the ice, um, on how you want your team to play and an expectation of what it's supposed to look like on a nightly basis, but also how you're going to build your team internally and, and how hard they fight for each other, how hard they, how much they care about each other. And so, for me, those are things that you can go in and you can work on on a daily basis, both in the room and on the ice. Um, you know, I, when it when it comes to holding players accountable, I mean that's a it's a pretty pretty wide open question. I, I do believe in honesty. I do believe in directness. Um, I mean, I I can be firm and I can be compassionate. I think that you have to be in today's game, but more often than not, you've got to be honest and. When I was talking to this about uh, with Mac about this, um, you know, for me, before you get to accountability, there's a chance to motivate. There's a chance to push players to have them um, take the ice and, and think that the the night is going to be successful and that there's going to be um, great things that happen and and you'll find success. And you know, you don't have to get to the accountability if your team is ready to go and and they're on the ice and they're they're they're, mo they're a motivated group, um, you find you do less with the accountability. But certainly that does play into it as well. Um, I think a coach has to have a lot of different tools in today's game, and, and those two are a couple of the big ones from motivation to accountability, but there's a lot of other things that go into it as well. So, um, you know, for me, it's a, 
the 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 freshness of of coming into a team that I haven't been in before um, always excites me just because it's it's not only new to them but it's new for me as well and it's a chance for uh, really a group to start on page one on day one and to build something that could be really really good. Thank you. Our next question goes to Tom Galetti with NHL.com. Tom, go ahead. Hi, Peter. Um, I was wondering if you had a chance to talk to Alex Ovechkin or any other players yet, and just what are your thoughts on coaching him, you know, what the kind of player he is, and from, from all accounts and from what we've seen, he's really grown as a leader the few years of what you're thinking about working with him going forward here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the opportunity to work with Alex. I, I haven't spoken uh, with him yet. I mean, things have really unfolded here and, and to get to this point right now in the last couple of days. Um, and so, you know, on, on my list of things to do is to, you know, talk to the, the coaches that we have in place, talk to the staff in place, and certainly starting to talk with the players and, and leading with Alex. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and you're right, you know, in watching, you're watching him, just going back and watching the playoffs in Washington play for me, there was, there was a lot of really good things that he did from using his physicality and his size, obviously his offense is there, um, his willingness to block shots in the defensive zone um, and his leadership. So um, all, all things that, you know, when you're looking at your team, you want your captain to be the guy to set the example and to um, lead that way. And I, I thought he was doing that. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the first conversation and certainly looking forward to next year and working with them. Thank you. Uh, Heather McDonough with NBC4. Hi, Peter. Welcome to Washington. Um, you talked about Alex Ovechkin. If he called up, or Alex or TJ Osher, or Nicholas Backstrom, called up one of your former players on the Predators or the Flyers or Carolina, what, what would they say about you, um, you know, maybe as a coach, uh, not just the X's and O's, but um, a leader, uh, good or bad. What, what do you think that feedback would be from your, from those former players? It might depend on the player. I don't know. So um, I, I, I would like to think that the players enjoyed playing. They, they're, they're, they're coming to the rink to play a game that they love. Um, the best way to have fun doing that is to win hockey games. Um, I'd like to think that they say that, that they really enjoyed coming to the rink. They, they liked building what they tried to build on the inside. Um, and on a lot of nights, they liked the product that was on the ice that led to wins. And, and that's what this is all about. So for me, um, I think if a player said that, that they, they, they love the game, they love playing it. Um, when I was around and, and we were able to find some success, that would be a good thing. Thank you. Uh, Barry Savluga with the Washington Post. Barry, please go ahead. Um, a quick one for Mac and then one for Peter. Um, Mac, just logistically, given the state of the world, were, were you able to hold all these um, interviews in, in person? And was it logistically challenging or did you do everything by Zoom? How'd you handle that? Uh, it's logistically challenging. Uh, I met Peter at our office in Washington. Um, we were both able to get there and spend a day together. Um, met one of the, met one of the other coaching candidates um, at his place, and then a Zoom call for another one, and a phone call for another one. Okay, and and Peter, um, 
18 years in the league as a head coach is a, a long time. I, I wonder if there's anything um, that you would say has been consistent in your approach since your first year with the Islanders and, and anything that's really evolved as you've learned, um, you know, just grown as a person and, and uh, grown with the job. I was talking about this earlier. I was thinking back to my first job in Wheeling, West Virginia in the East Coast Hockey League as a head coach and um, just really how little you, you, you knew the experience. There was no experience. There was nothing to go by. There was no um, nothing to look back on and say, I, I, I remember being in this situation before and um, just systems-wise and uh, situation-wise and playoff um, experience all of that stuff I think you're constantly learning um, I've worked with some really good coaches along the way and all the way back from the, the the days in Wheeling to the New York Islanders and Providence I mean all, all the way up you you're constantly have the opportunity to learn if you're willing you have the opportunity to learn from other coaches and other people and um, that's one of good one of the good things about having New, new members and new people on your staff and working with new people is not only do you bring your own ideas on how the game should be played or how something should be handled, but you're also listening to, um, you know, a wide range of other people's opinions. And that's a good thing. Um, I don't think you ever really stop learning. I think you have to keep changing all the time um, to stay with the game and to stay with the players. Um, and so for that, I've been fortunate. I've worked with some terrific people. I think that have, you know, help me along the way. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go to Darren Haynes with WSA 9. Darren, please go ahead. Hey, Coach, congratulations on the job. Um, you were just mentioning about your journey and where it all started. And now you're here in D.C. And I'm wondering, at the end of the day, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind when you end your career, when you retire, here with the Washington uh, Capitals? You know what? I, I, I rarely think like that. I, I just don't think about, you know, like I, I'll, I'll give you, for instance, and, and Washington probably has their own story because they were able to, to put their hands on the cup uh, a couple of years ago. You know, back in, in 2006, when we were able to win the Stanley Cup, the, it, the, the cup was awesome. Like the Stanley Cup is incredible itself. The, the actual hardware that you get to hold and like they say the greatest trophy in all the sports but when you're involved in the middle of something like that and you see a group of players come together um, and really build something and really believe in each other and to go out and take the ice and and truly think that you can't be beat um, to me that's that's awesome and um, having watched to be a coach and to be able to be on the inside and be a part of that and watch something like that happened that's what that's what is that's what coaching is all about for me and so um coming to washington that's that's my that's my priority is to try and build something where when the players take the ice they truly feel like they're invincible thank you let's go to andrew Nall with new york times andrew please go ahead yeah, hi, Labby. Great to see you. I just wanted to ask, I mean, obviously, this is a veteran core, a lot of guys with Stanley Cup experience. Uh, you know, how do you balance kind of letting them be themselves and staying with what works with 
making the adjustments and maybe reinforcements to the culture that you need to, to kind of maybe write the ship here as Brian was talking about last month. Yeah. You know, I, I think that when you, when you're going into a room, uh, a veteran room, um, you know, Nashville, when I first started, there was a younger room. Uh, Philadelphia was a little bit of a mixed room. We had some veteran players and some younger players. Um, I think it's really important that you work at your game and your identity. Um, but, it, but eventually, you know, you're, for me, the communication, and Brian uh, talked about it, the communication between the, the players and certainly the leadership group, I think, is extremely important because whatever it is that a coach is trying to project, it has to be received by the players. And inside of that, I think the whole time the, from a coaching standpoint, you're trying to set an identity and set that standard on what you're going to expect from yourselves on a daily basis. And so um, to have a veteran group that's been through it before, and I'm, like I said, I haven't, you know, my, my phone calls will probably start, you know, tomorrow and I'll, I'll work through the week here, but I'm sure they want to get back. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast of, of competitive athletes and, they want to get back. And so um, the fact that they're a veteran group, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to work together and that I can push in, in any way that I can so that we can get back to a level that, that can get us deep into the playoffs. Thank you. And we'll go to Jordan Bondurant with the fan in Richmond. Jordan, please go ahead. Hi, Peter. Um, I just wanted to ask you about the the current goaltending situation uh what are your initial thoughts on uh potentially working with Braden Holtby assuming assuming he uh signs an extension with with the Capitals and uh just your thoughts on Ilya Samsonov as the starter in waiting yeah well I mean obviously the goaltending has been a strength for for Washington for some time now um led by Holtby and um you know where that where that stands right now. I'm not sure um, with him being a free agent. The, the 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 opportunity to work with a or to have in place a young prospect and a young piece like Sam Sanoff is is really I think great for our organization. He's a big goaltender. He's he's proven that he can play. Um, but I'm again I'm. You know, this is, again, this is day one with, without me seeing the players or being on the ice with them. But I know that it's been a strength for the organization for quite some time now. And, and for that, we're, we're pretty fortunate. So um, I'm looking forward to working with both of them, if, that, if that's the case. Thank you. We'll go to J.J. Reagan with NBC Sports Washington. Hey, Peter. Uh, welcome to Washington. I'm just curious, uh, have you made any decisions on the staff yet? Any hirings? Uh, what are your thoughts there? Sure. Um, when, when Brian and I were talking, you know, we talked about the staff. Um, again, I'm, I'm looking to, to start conversations and possibly meet. Um, again, I'm not sure with the, with the world today how that's going to, if it's going to be Zoom meetings or in person, but there's some great coaches already in place in Washington. Um, they got great coaches in their system um, and there's there's lots of great coaches that are out there in the world and so um, as I left it with Brian I really don't have an agenda um, I'm going to talk with everybody and and work to put the best staff um, that I can in place James Murphy with Boston Hockey now James please go ahead
Murph, please go ahead. Can you hear me? Yep, we can. Go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. Hey, Peter, congratulations. Um, so I'm just going back to when you were in the Bruins organization and, you know, you had an awesome year with Providence and you move up as assistant in Boston, but then get passed up on the head coaching job. I'm just wondering, thinking back to then, was there a point where, you know, everything was happening pretty quick for you in those five years leading up to that? What was that experience like? And, and you know, how did you get to where you are now from there? Yeah. It, you know, the, that's, that's what I was saying. I remember when I, when I first started, I was a player in Providence and it was Bobby Francis who asked me if I wanted to be player assistant coach. And I had no idea what coaching even meant. I, I had wondered about where I was going to go with my career. I played in the minors a long time. And so for me, it was an opportunity to get into coaching. After that year, I was pretty confident that I wanted to coach and that I wanted to be a head coach. And so we left for Wheeling, West Virginia. I was, had a, just an unbelievable first year there and a great experience with the ownership and the fan base in Wheeling and really just fell in love with what I do and was fortunate to come back to Providence as the head coach and um, spend a couple of years there. And like you said, a year in Boston um, and, and not knowing, you know, how, I, how the, how it would play out. It was Mike Milbury who gave me my first opportunity. And I'm so grateful for Mike for that because I was a young coach. Like you said, it, it moved pretty quick. And um, I was, I was, I didn't have the experience as a player in the NHL and I didn't really have a long resume of coaching in the NHL and with just one year as an assistant in Boston. And Mike gave me that first opportunity to be a coach and I'll forever be thankful for that. So um, it, you're right. It was, it was quick the way it happened, but it was also, you know, for me and my family and my wife to experience that early on and, and, you know, get into some conference finals and win a championship and work our way to our first job on the island. Um, it was an awesome experience. Thanks. Okay, we have time for two more questions and we'll go back to uh, Sam Bell with the Washington Post. Sam, please go ahead. Hi, Peter. Just a quick follow-up to your assistant coach question. I know you don't have a staff in place now, but is there a chance that Kevin McCarthy comes up to Washington to be with you? Um. You know, again, Kevin, Kevin has been with me now. It's got to be 15 years. I'll, I'll never forget, you know, Jim Rutherford. I didn't know Kevin at all when I took him on my staff. Um, Jim Rutherford had asked me to work with the coaches that were in place until the end of the year. I got hired in Carolina in December. And, um, you know, so it's not like I took my buddy to the bench. Um, and we were in, able to win a, a cup in the first full year there. And it, for me, it was – at that point that I realized how special he was as a person and a coach and um, the way he could teach. And he had a, a real way about his personality where he could really be effective with the players. And um, I, I think his track record speaks for itself and the fact that he's, he's been to the finals four times and has won a cup. Um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty special guy at this point. I'm not sure uh, what the staff is going to look like. Um, I haven't really talked to anybody about it yet. And again, I want to have conversations with everybody before I, I mention that, um, you know, who's going to be on the staff and who's not. I, I need to do some homework myself and I need to look into it. So um, I think we'll work through all of that and, and probably have announcements, you know, at some point in the future about it. Okay. And the last question goes to Tom Galetti with NHL.com. Since I'm last and since I came up before, Brian, can you 
can you tell us anything about where things stand with stand with uh, Braden Holtby uh, as far as free agency? Do you expect him to go to free agency or still to be determined? Yeah, I would expect him to go to free agency, Tom. I mean, it's, um, you know, I think the goalie market is, is um, probably a little unusually deep this year. And I talked to his, his agent, you know, last week briefly about, you know, where he's at and, you know, the kind of opportunities looking for. So I, I would assume he goes to free agency and we'll keep in contact with him throughout the free agency period to see if he's getting what he wants. So.